Our battered suitcases were piled on the sidewalk again. We had longer ways to go, but no matter. The road is life. Jack Kerouac on the road. We all carry suitcases filled with the flotsam and jetsam of our experiences. These satchels are that which is us. And we open them and share them in order to connect. Every road is an adventure. Every path a journey. Most are mundane and normal. Some are quite peculiar. I'm Don Hall, and these are my peculiar journeys. Reality is that which, when you stop believing in it, doesn't go away. Philip K. Dick. My view is what it is because maybe it's of my experiences. All forms of truth should be heard, whether they're based on fact or personal experience. No one is better or worse. Your facts don't change my opinion. A few years ago, MTV released an hour-long documentary called White People. Now, before you quickly dismiss it as yet another examination of uh, you know, white people, take a look. It's worth the time. The gist is simple. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Jose Antonio Vargas approaches young white people from a different angle than the shaming tactics that seem fairly standard. He really asks hard questions and seems to be trying to understand their bias before presenting facts to them. In other words, he approaches young white people in exactly the way the social justice and identity politics folks want the whites to approach them with empathy and curiosity. Now, one young woman, after being interviewed briefly, admits that she feels discriminated discriminated against because POC get all the college scholarships. It's an argument we've heard before from those who feel affirmative action has gone too far. Instead of rolling his eyes or looking at her like she's a fucking idiot, Vargas listens. He asks questions. Then he goes and gets the facts. Whites are 40% more likely to receive scholarships than people of color. He gently presents the facts, and her reaction is that of a near refusal to believe because her anecdotal experience informs her differently. It's that dissonance between her personal experience and the objective truth, truth that conflicts her. But facts is facts, my friend. And after some discomfort, she admits that perhaps she is wrong. When I was a public school teacher, I had a quote at the top of my wall. The opinion of the intelligent outweighs the certainty of the ignorant. I've written about this before, and I'm certain I'll write about it again. Opinions are your truth. And while your truth is great on an emotional level, if it butts heads with reality, it behooves you to look hard at reality and admit that your truth might be wrong. We hate admitting when we're wrong, so the first course of action is to simply dismiss the facts as manipulated or false. And sometimes the facts have been manipulated, so you need to dig deeper. Now, some will argue that there are facts and there are opinions and that they are distinct. It's not true. It's a fact that the overwhelming majority of scientists have demonstrated that climate change is predominantly man-made, and it is my opinion, given that I am not a scientist, that they are correct. On top of that, once my opinion was formed, I did some reading of my own on the effects of man on the climate, which merely solidified my opinion. I even read the pseudoscience that countered this belief and found the funding sources and the qualifications of these big oil purchase scientists to be completely untrustworthy. And that's where we come to triangulation. Three is a powerful number. Back to the woman and white people. 
Her feelings and personal experience her told her personal experience told her she was being discriminated against because she was white. Vargas presented her with factual info that contradicted her personal experience. Then he asked her, her friend, a minority, what his experience was. He confirmed that as a minority of several ethnicities, he couldn't get a scholarship either. Three points of contact. Two will almost always align. The truth is revealed. Here's the thing. Your personal truth informs your reactions to the world. According to the documentary, most white people live among white people and have little in-person contact with people of color. Their personal truth is informed with a huge deficit of information. What information they receive concerning black and brown humans comes from television, Fox News, and the movies. Does it surprise you that these people are terrified of young black men and women? That they don't understand the complexities of white privilege? If your personal truth is only informed by your experiences in the world without some attempt to triangulate and educate yourself, it is by the very definition, the certainty of the ignorant. I should point out that this formula applies to people of color as well as whites, to atheists as well as religious types, to those in the North as well as those in the South, to women as well as men. In the middle school I taught in, one of the things we did was to coordinate lessons three times a year school-wide. If it was decided we were covering the Holocaust, every teacher found ways to teach about that history through their medium. One year, we decided to cover the near genocide of the Native Americans. In music class, we studied the instruments and role music served their daily lives, but I noticed something odd. Throughout the studies, the kids were getting an odd, fetishized version of who the Native Americans were as people. The message they were getting was that the people, so in, they were all inherently good. They were just so in tune with the earth that this image committed the fact that they were humans rather than precious angels of spiritual superiority to themselves. So I had them watch three movies in class. Far and Away, Dances with Wolves, and Little Big Men. Far and Away is about the Irish coming over to America, encountering the specific obstacles of immigration, and eventually taking Oklahoma. There is exactly one shot of Native Americans in the film, a dispirited reaction as the whites, the Sooners, took the last place on Earth the United States government had allowed them on the continent. Dances with Wolves painted the Native Americans as somehow otherworldly and perfect with the demon white man coming in and learning how to live through their native ways. Little Big Man shows the Native Americans as humans, funny, horny, hypocritical, loving, filled with joy and pain, betraying one another and sometimes full of shit. Just like my students. Just like me. Three points of information. A fuller perspective on these people the opinion of the intelligent. The truth is a complicated thing, and anyone claiming that their truth is more valid than another's without factual information and another take on it is highly likely full of shit. Without some outside perspective, some research, some fucking education on their certainty, their perspective represents a truth, but only a tiny one. One in seven billion, in fact. And those are pretty scant odds of being the truth. All right, welcome to episode 73 of Peculiar Journeys. I'm still in the casino. We're still uh, coming in and kind of just keeping things in order. Uh, end of the month, had to do uh, inventory on the bar, even though we hadn't sold anything. It's just one of those things I wanted to keep track of. And uh, and actually, what's positive about this is some of the beer 
has indeed expired. Uh, and so that beer has to be removed and we have to kind of keep track of that. So that's one of the things it looks like from this end and on this recording that uh, we're looking at a June 1st uh, soft opening. Now, I don't know if that means that we're going to be opening here in Las Vegas, small businesses and not the casinos and the casinos will open later. I mean, obviously like every other place, there is a huge, uh, conflict between trying to make sure that we stay safe and social distance and that things can remain shut down so that we cannot, you know, reinvent the curve. And if we flatten the curve, let's see if we don't have a spike, um, combated with the people that desperately need work that, that aren't getting the unemployment, uh, money that they, they were promised that haven't received the stimulus that are literally sitting at home obeying the lockdown rules but are making absolutely no money and their bills are coming due and all the hey we're going to put a moratorium on your rent aside you know you got to eat you got to have money to pay bills you've got to do that so when i hear people get so angry at those complaining about not getting their haircuts a good portion of the 3.2 million people in nevada are not are not the people looking to open the golf courses. That's not their thing. What they want to do is they want to figure out how they can make some money so that they can survive. And that is, uh, that's a very different argument. So, you know, looking at the in-between of things, the two extremes, uh, one is this is just the flu and why can't we get back to work? And the other is this is a fucking pandemic and we're all going to die. Somewhere in between is probably the most accurate uh, response. As I said before uh, on this re on this podcast, really, I'm just listening to the professionals, listening to the experts. I don't. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an economist. So I listen to what they have to say with a grain of salt. But I also would rather err on caution because while I'm not worried that I will get the coronavirus and die. The very real possibility of me going out and doing things uh, and then infecting other people is that's the point that the point is the point and that is the point. So, you know, some of that triangulation um, is done in that way. It's like figure out your information and do that. Um, aside from that, Dana and I are doing just fine. Um, we are doing our thing. Um, I'm curious about whether or not we're going to open Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm torn, where yeah, I hope it's sooner rather than later. But I also hope that it's not so soon that we fuck it up because Vegas really just has one shot at reopening. Um, and we got to get it right. Every creature on the planet has a way of dealing with fear or horror or its potential demise. It's hardwired in the instinctual system. When a predator threatens to take a creature's life or home or food, every creature has a built-in response. The big ones are less interesting because they're generally less creative. Brute strength and big talons and monstrous jaws are easy instruments of defense. The grizzly bear, by virtue of size and physical prowess, doesn't have to be creative with his response to another grizzly bear, bellow loud enough to shake the trees and beat the living shit out of anything in its path. It's the defense mechanisms of the smaller, less able creatures that are truly fascinating. Malaysian ants internally combust 
under threat, causing their bodies to explode. They wait until their enemies are close enough to die before detonating. Camponitus sondersi soldier ants have large glands full of poison inside their bodies. When they sense a threat, they contract their abs, causing the glands on either side of their bodies to explode and spray poison. The proboscis monkey gets a rage boner, spreads his legs and waves his now bright red rock-hard cock at his predator. The blowfish puffs itself up to look scarier than it is. The cute little possum has a number of tricks up its defensive sleeve. It can play dead. It can foam at the mouth in an attempt to convince its predators that it is toxic, sick, or perhaps just batshit insane. It can also emit a green anal fluid that smells nearly as bad as a skunk's offensive spray, though mercifully it can easily be washed off. Possums playing dead actually slip into a semi-comatose state, thus removing any excitement of the kill for a predator. Ultimately, most small creatures use a form of misdirection to avoid being eaten. Human beings are among the most vulnerable creatures on the planet. No armor, no big claws, can't really fucking run fast, not particularly strong. Even the strongest man on the planet, you know, that redneck fucker who can pull a tractor with his teeth or hang an anvil from his balls, is just a thin-skinned hot dog meal to a mountain lion. So we compensate with misdirection. American politics is not worse than it has ever been. The polarization of our population is not worse than it has ever been. It's just that our defense mechanisms, our misdirections, are becoming more apparent. Hey, Rage Boner Monkey, that's just a hard dick. Yeah, but you have one too. Yeah, but mine is justified. So's mine. Our politics have always been blowfishes puffing up and trying to scare and intimidate each other rather than the real predators. The predators of human society are the Koch brothers, the leaders of drug cartels, the people who secretly use their vast wealth to prevent equal rights to all citizens and promote global wars, the companies that dump waste and chemicals in our water. And puffing up or waving a bright red heart on doesn't really scare them away. Most of us, however, do that cute little possum trick and pretend we're comatose. When we walk by a homeless man and do nothing to help, watch a black kid get harassed by the police, stand by as an airline steward or the TSA profiles a Muslim, you're just playing dead until the moment passes. And limiting your involvement to social media is just playing dead with a keyboard clutched in your inert claws. I once heard a friend of mine tell a story at Grown Folk Stories in Chicago where he related the idea that loud guys are never really thugs, meaning that the more someone, anyone, gets loud and flashes his rage boner, the less of a threat he is. The burrow owl can imitate the sound of a deadly snake to ward off potential aggressors. You want to know which creature that, that tactic does not work on? Actual snakes. And in America... The actual snakes don't make a lot of noise. And that's the episode. It's a short one. I just had a couple things I wanted to say today, and uh, I'm going to continue to do this. This has been a lot of fun, and I'm obviously in Pandemic Alley. Um, it is certainly something uh, creative that I can do, which is put out the podcast. So I hope you are listening to it. I encourage you that if you are listening to it and it's even remotely interesting, share it with a few people. Um, just let them know that uh, you thought this was interesting. You think, uh, as Eric Wilson said, uh, I have a very soothing voice. So if all you need is just 20 minutes of something to listen to so that you go to sleep to, hey, I'm down for that. And if that's the best review you can give me on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, hey, 
Don's got a real soothing voice. It put me to sleep every night. That is also fine. Um, whatever you got to do, you got to do. Do yourself a favor. Stay, in so stay indoors as much as possible. Um, when you do go out, social distance, wear a mask. Um, take walks, get some sun, um, uh, talk to your family, do the things that you can do. We're, we're not in prison. This isn't prison. If you feel like you're in prison, then you have a very skewed version of what prison actually is. And while you're at it, check out some of the people that are looking to get uh, nonviolent uh, criminals, nonviolent uh, incarcerated men and women um, released because uh, it's... It, it's ridiculous that we have so many people packed in prisons during a pandemic with no, virtually no help for these people. And so uh, I, I'm very much in favor. I'm not in favor of like saying, hey, let's just open the doors and let the rapists and murders are out. But, you know, all the people that are in there for weed, how about we let them go? How about we just commute their sentences and say, you know what, there's a pandemic, go, go house arrest. I don't care how you want to do it. Get them out of there. It's uh, it's an ugly situation. And um, if you think you're in prison, you're wrong. You're just in your house with every known piece of entertainment other than live known to mankind. So calm down, try not to gain weight and uh, be safe. This has been another episode of the Peculiar Journeys podcast. For archived episodes, go to donhall.vegas slash podcast to hear stories of Chicago, of Millennium Park, and of the big move to Las Vegas. If you dig the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts and review the show. If you really dig the podcast, why not go to patreon.com slash peculiarjourneys and help fund the endeavor. Whatever you decide to do, thank you for listening, and I hope you come back for more of my peculiar journeys.